Yeah, so I was asked to speak on how Jesus, through his lifestyle uh, and through his actions, demonstrated uh, the kingdom of God and kingdom lifestyle. And, but as I prepared, um, I kept feeling myself pulled again and again back to uh, something central in the life of the kingdom and in the life of Jesus. And it's funny, we had no collaboration this week, unusually, uh, in terms of uh, how things might fit together. So Jason prepared his bit, I prepared my bit. Um, and it's been lovely just during the worship to see how, uh, well, under God's leading, uh, what Jason has brought to us in worship fits so well uh, with what God has put on my heart to share. And so, supremely, I just want to look at the love of God uh, as displayed in the life of Jesus and then uh, through uh, some of his followers, uh, those who came to know him. And um, I trust as we focus on his love again, uh, maybe with some slightly different dimensions, slightly reflective this morning, uh, I trust that God will speak to us and refresh us and renew us in a life of love for him. When I was on holiday uh, a few weeks ago, I, um, I didn't take a big stack of books with me. I took two little books. And these two little books, uh, two basic themes. One was basically presenting Jesus as the best. <laughs> and uh, the other was basically presenting heaven as a place of love. Uh, that was the overwhelming, the supreme characteristic of the kingdom of God, of the new heaven and the new earth. Love was the supreme characteristic. And I enjoyed myself uh, for a couple of weeks, just basking in the reality of the fact that my ultimate and your ultimate destiny is in a kingdom uh, that is just fully realized as the love of God unhindered flows through our hearts and lives into the lives of others and then is reciprocated and given back to us, not just for a day, not just for a week, but for all eternity. Love shall reign supreme in every heart and life, ultimately in the kingdom of God. In the giving of love, in the receiving of love, love uh, will be provided and love will be produced and we shall live in joy unspeakable for all eternity. Amen. That's the reality. That's, what's look, that's what we're looking forward to. And wonderful thing, blessed assurance, we're tasting of it now. Uh, we're tasting of it now. We see uh, through the ministry of Jesus that we're commanded to love God and others However, the ability to love God in the way that he requires uh, is through his redeeming love. We come into a new birth, the scripture tells us. He gives us a new heart. He gives us a new nature. He pours his Holy Spirit into our lives and sheds the love of God abroad uh, within us. And in this way, we enter into the kingdom of God, and we begin to experience kingdom life. We love because he first loved us. 
And we love because we have this inclination in the new nature to love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The law written on our heart is love. And so by love we show that we are God's children and Christ's disciples. We see this quality of kingdom love demonstrated by Jesus as he comes from heaven and dwells among us. Both in his life and in his sacrificial death, he shows us what divine love looks like. He is love divine. All love's excelling. That's Jesus. And he, in turn, fixes in us his humble dwelling so that all his faithful mercies may be crowned in us. It was wonderful this morning, even as we were praying, uh, we were thinking about how we are like a, a gem in the crown of Jesus. And what a wonderful thing it is that we are the subjects of his grace and mercy, uh, the ones in whom he's put that divine love that it might be expressed to others. So this morning, slightly differently, I felt led just to bring uh, seven stories uh, taken from the scriptures. Uh, what I'd like to do is read those stories to you, just pull a few key thoughts from them, and then I'd just like to pause after each one and just give you a moment or two just to reflect on what those stories are saying to us and more particularly maybe saying to you uh, this morning. The stories speak about kingdom love in action. And I trust as we look at them we'll be refreshed in seeing how we can live out uh, God's love in our lives today. We see in these stories something showcased in terms of how love can change lives, uh, transform relationships, and bring healing and restoration to brokenness. The kingdom teaching of Jesus shows us uh, that love is more than just a feeling, though we do feel it at times, uh, but it is an action. It is a choice that we make every day. It's a decision to love others, despite their flaws and shortcomings, just as Christ has loved us. These stories illustrate uh, that love is not just a selfless act, but a transforming force uh, that can change the world. As Christ's disciples were called to imitate him, uh, to follow his example, uh, in the way that we touch the lives of others around us. And by examining these examples of love, uh, love in action, I hope we can gain a deeper understanding and show love to others in a greater measure, even those who may be a bit difficult, <laughs> uh, even those with whom we have disagreements, uh, even as... Jason was sharing with us earlier, even those who uh, we might perceive as our enemies, 
uh, those who have hurt us and done us wrong. So my first uh, little story is summed up in the, those words that Jason highlighted us to us this morning. They speak about God's love for humanity. And I'll just remind us of them again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16, so familiar to us, but God's heart of love for mankind. We see that God's love isn't based on our merit or our worthiness, uh, but it's based on his mercy and his grace. And as citizens in the kingdom of God, we're called to reflect his love to those around us. Let's just pause for a moment or two and just ponder that. For God so loved the world. My second little story is the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law uh, stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what, was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho uh, when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. <laughs> he went to him 
and he bandaged his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour uh, to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The Samaritan would have been considered an outsider in Jewish society. But he was the one who stopped to help. The, spot, the story reminds us that, yes, we're called to love our neighbours as ourselves. But also, regardless of race or background or status. And also that the kingdom love moves into action by showing compassion and mercy to those in need. Let's pause, shall we? And just ponder that little story. So thinking about these things, you might be mindful of uh, the different types of people in your neighbourhood that uh, live around in the town in which we're living. slightly different story. I like to look at where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that an hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own that who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I like that. <laughs> this evening meal uh, was in progress and the devil had already prompted Jesus, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew uh, the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. 
So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of them. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Here we have one of the most beautiful examples of servant leadership. Jesus washing his disciples' feet. In Jewish culture, uh, washing feet was a task reserved for the lowest of servants. And by performing this act of service, Jesus sets an example to his followers to serve one another with humility and love. Let's just pause again and just reflect on that. I thought I'd share with you another foot story. 
Mary anointing Jesus' feet. The six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint, pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't the perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he, because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So in this story, Mary anoints Jesus with this incredibly expensive perfume. It's an act of extravagant love and devotion. And he's criticized by one of the disciples. But Jesus, listen to this, Jesus commended her act. The story challenges us to examine our own acts of love and devotion to Jesus and to ask ourselves, am I willing to go above and beyond to show that I love him? Let's pause. My next little story was uh, the story of Jesus' healing of the blind man. Uh, you remember when uh, he spits on the ground, he puts, makes some mud and plonks it on his eyes and goes and asks him to wash in the pool of Siloam. And when he washes, he sees. Um, and it's miraculous and it's wonderful. Uh, but what motivated it 
was compassion. He acted towards this blind man with love and mercy. But I'm going to move on to the next little story, which is of the woman who was caught in adultery. Again, I, w I was going to read it, but I'm just going to sum it up. And basically, the religious leaders bring this woman who's been caught in adultery, present them to Jesus. And according to Jewish law, uh, the judgment for those who are caught in adultery is stoning. But Jesus is challenged as to how he would respond. They were trying to catch him out and look for some way by which they could accuse him. But you remember Jesus' response was to say, having doodled on the floor, some say he was writing out the Ten Commandments maybe, uh, but having doodled on the floor, he says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And slowly, from the oldest to the youngest, they began to disappear. And for me, what this story speaks to me about is the depth and the breadth of the love of God in able to forgive us of our sin. It doesn't matter what we've done, where we've been, how we think we have dishonored God and disgraced ourselves, wherever we are this morning in relation to God and the nature of our sin, God has forgiveness for us. <laughs> and not only forgiveness, but he's able to restore us into a right relationship with himself and into a right lifestyle in terms of kingdom living. Glorious, glorious forgiveness. We could pause there for a bit, but I'm going to move on and finish with this little story. And it's going into the life of one of Jesus' disciples or followers. The story of Stephen forgiving his persecutors. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, uh, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, uh, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell to his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Stephen had been described earlier as one full of faith and the Holy Spirit. He was one of the first deacons in the early church. And he's been stoned to death for his faith. But before he dies, he prays for his persecutors, asking God to forgive them. 
This act of forgiveness is a powerful example of Christ-like love. It reminds us of Christ's own words from the cross and challenges us to love even our enemies and to forgive those who have wronged us. Who's been wronged? Anybody ever been wronged? Anyone ever felt treated unjustly, unfairly? Felt abused at times? Well, here we have the example of Stephen that challenges us uh, to forgive even those people. So, through these little stories this morning, I've just wanted to open our eyes afresh uh, to kingdom love, kingdom love that goes beyond feelings and into actions, that requires at times sacrifice and humility and often compassion. It's gracious and merciful, not earned or deserved. Compassionate and merciful, not preferring or favoring. Humble and serving, not proud or elite. Selflessly extravagant at times and full of devotion, not mean or cold. Compassionate and merciful, not unfeeling and uncaring. Forgiving and restoring, not condemning or judgmental. Even forgiving of our enemies and those who do us wrong. We've seen that kingdom love is demonstrated by the king of love in these stories and in the lives of his followers. We've seen how freely God gives his love and having received his love, we are called to give again to him and to others. And so I want to encourage us as we move into this season uh, to strive uh, to follow these examples of love in action, in our lives, showing love and kindness to those around us. Around us. Showing love even when it's difficult, even when it hurts. May our lives be a reflection of the selfless love of Christ. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Oh, the king of love, my shepherd is. His goodness faileth never. For he is mine and I am his. <laughs> Not for just time, forever. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the amazing nature of your life, for the wonder of your love. We thank you uh, that... Through your lifestyle, through your acts, through your stories, through your teaching, you show us how to live in kingdom love. You show us, you give us a taste of what is yet to come. A heaven where there will be uh, no more sin or sadness or sorrow or pain, uh, but where the king and love will reign supreme. Not just in him, but in every single heart. We thank you on that day when we give love, it will be reciprocated. For every person there 
will be a natural giver <laughs> and will respond in kind to the way they've received. Such will be the love of the kingdom of heaven. Once again, we say, pour your love into our hearts, Holy Spirit. Let your love be shed abroad in our hearts. Give us eyes to see the needs, eyes to see the opportunities, that we might step out in love and compassion and touch the lives of others. We asked earlier that we might be known as a house of prayer. I ask this morning that we might also be known as a people who love the way that Jesus loves. And we ask this in your name, Lord Jesus, and we give you praise. Amen. 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 Bless you all.